0: morning. Can we take a minute and just give our moms a round of applause? I mean, I don't even want to know where my poor kids would be if they didn't have their mom. I mean, goodness sakes, they're, they have so many breakfast demands, I, get, I can't even keep up. So she is awesome. And uh, actually, my mom is in Florida enjoying her 10th consecutive month of sunshine. So I could not rope her into coming and helping uh, with this this morning. And then my wife, a couple years ago, we did a relationship series, and one of the weeks fell on her birthday, and I thought that would be a great birthday present. You might remember that if she could share with us. And so when I pitched that for Mother's Day, she was like, how about a different gift would be, I don't have to do that, okay? (laughs) So, uh, So we have some other stuff planned. Before we go any further, though, Uh, Because this is a series on finances and giving, one of our mowing volunteers brought me half of a twenty-dollar bill that they found out in the field this week. If you have the other, the other half, (laughs) let's go to lunch. Okay, we could probably only get Chick-fil-A or something like that, but I mean, I'm too, I'm too cheap of a Swede to throw this away, because who knows what might happen this week or in a year from now even. So, okay. Well, anyways. We are doing this series on finances. We are in Matthew chapter 6, if you brought your Bibles. And um, you might remember from last week, we learned that whether it is in our relationships or our hobbies or our spiritual journey, we need to get the fundamentals right, right? That's what we talked about last week was getting the fundamentals right. And last week's fundamental that we kind of left on was we need to never stop doing new things with Jesus, all right? Uh, Today, we're going to look further into Matthew 6. We're going to see what else God might have for us in regards to our financial life, because that is what this series is on. Now, sometimes in the church world, when you hear finances, or you hear giving, or you hear generosity, kind of the blanket assumption that is made is like, okay, so we're talking about how much money I give to the church, right? And listen, I don't want to do that. I don't think that is the... Uh, The whole picture of Matthew chapter 6. This is a series on finances on how God would have us to behave with our money Yes in regards to the church, but in regards to just our life in general So we're trying to go a little bit deeper than that if I just call this a series on giving or a series on your generosity Then you kind of just stop at it, it insinuates that direct relationship between your finances and the church but One of the things that we hit on last week as we were wrapping up, you might remember, is that we all have many facets to who we are, okay? We are multifaceted beings, and God cares about all of them. He cares about, yes, our finances, yes, our giving, but also our career, what we do in the day-to-day, okay? And so we do not have to be afraid to invite him into every area of who we are because he sees it all already, he sees it anyway. So why we would try to compartmentalize and hold that away from him? We should not do that. We should invite him in and say, "God, how would you have me to behave in any and all of these areas?" All right. So last week we were we were challenged to consider what new things we are trying with Jesus. We heard from Virginia Edney, and that was such an awesome uh, testimony, and and she really shared. Um, that God, if, if you don't remember, I'll just give you a quick recap. She shared that in this economy, our expenses have gone up, but also God's expenses have gone up, and she wanted to be in on helping pay for those expenses, so she gave more, okay? She felt like God was challenging her to do that, and she did that, okay? But the reality isn't should you or shouldn't you give more. It's that Are you trying new things with Jesus? Are you tuned in to what he's challenging you to do and saying, Yes, I am willing to do that? We're going to go a little further in Matthew chapter 6 today. Last week we started in verse 19. We got as far as verse 24. So today we're going to pick it up in verse 25. Um, But one of the main things from last week was this idea that we do not have to be so temporal and so uh, consumed by the things of this world right now. We need to live with this heavenly-minded life, okay? It is so much easier to try new things with Jesus when we are remembering that we have a heavenly-minded purpose, that God has a heavenly-minded purpose for our lives, and that's what we need to uh, focus on. We know that our lives are eternal. So dying with the most stuff, frankly, does not matter. And we know that, right? We know that, And, and so... We are going to pick up here in Matthew 6, verse 25. Next week, we will kind of wrap up this series in Second Peter chapter 1. We were there last week a little bit. That's kind of the other text that we're uh, in for this series. But today, we are going to spend our time in Matthew 6, verse 25. Before we go any further, though, I want to answer the most pressing question in the room when we discuss such a black and white thing, something so practical as money. Do you want to know what the most pressing question in the room is? The most pressing question in the room goes like this. I hear everything you're saying, Pastor Quint, or Pastor Nicole, or Pastor Don. We all say the same things. It's just from the Bible, okay? So we're all saying the same things. I hear everything that you're saying, but it's just so hard to do in today's economy, or in my situation, or in my scenario. And so how, the question is, how do I actually do it, okay? Now listen, I want you to know, I can relate My wife and I, over our 15 years of marriage, have had seasons where things are tight, things are hard. Absolutely. I'm not coming across unsympathetic. I'm not trying to be flippant in any way at all. I know it can be very difficult out there. It can be really great in the economy and still be hard for you, okay? It's not just uh, what is happening in the economy dictates how things are going for you. Um, But I will tell you this. One of the best things we've done in our marriage is we have fought to get it right. We have fought to get our financial behaviors in line with how God would have us to behave. It's been one of the best things that we've actually done. So let me tell you a story on how you do it, okay? Last year, we had a beach baptism. Who all was at that? There was a ton of people there, okay? So last year, we had a beach baptism. I think it was Beach 6. And something happened to that beach baptism that you might not know about, okay? I went there right after service to kind of hold our spot, and make sure we had a good area and everything. I spent like the whole day at the beach. There are worse ways to spend. I'm not complaining. There are worse ways to spend your Sunday, okay? So I spent like the whole day at the beach. And, and I kind of get the spot that we ended up doing baptisms. And while I'm there, there's this guy. And he's jet skiing in and out. I don't know the rules about jet skis in Lake Erie. But he was jet skiing in and out. And he'd anchor. And he'd go get a family member. And he'd leave. And he'd go get a family. You know, he was doing this all day. And at some point, as, as things grew closer, I went up to him. And I said, hey. I'm with a church. There's going to be a bunch of people showing up. We're going to have beach baptism. Could you just do me a favor? When, uh, like 6 o'clock, when everybody starts to get here, can you just anchor this thing way down there? Okay, so it's not in our pictures. It's not in our way. And he's like, yeah, for sure, bro. You got it, whatever. And I'm like, cool. That's great. Good chat. All right, so here we go. 6 o'clock, everybody's showing up. He comes see doing on in with his daughter or something. And where do you think he parks that thing? right where we wanna dunk everybody, okay? Right where we agreed, would, he would not park it, all right? And listen, sir, if you are here this morning, I'm not mad and I have not been holding a grudge for 10 months. This just helps me get my point across, okay? All right, so, so he parks it there, I'm annoyed, I'm frustrated, and then uh, myself and Jason Bennett, and I'm pretty sure it was Andy Rupp, are standing there, and I'm whining, I'm complaining about how this guy didn't do what he said he was gonna do and this and 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 Andy Rupp goes I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit prompts him to move that jet ski at 610 so that we can do what we're gonna do and Jason just laughed and looked at him and goes yeah the Holy Spirit's gonna do it but probably through the person of Quint (laughs) and then I walked on out to that jet ski and I said anchors up and I walked it 50 yards down the beach And I dropped it down and the Holy Spirit moved that day all right (laughs) I am just a willing vessel and that's how it had to be so what's my point my point is this let me read to you from 6 25 through 29 then I'll tell you my point therefore I tell you do not worry See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. All right, here's here's my point. The greatest question that hangs in the air during these messages is how do you do it? And the answer is you do it. The answer is that you do it. Listen, I don't necessarily like it any more than you do. Do you know how many motorcycle parts I could buy with 10% of my income? That's our only reference to motorcycles today, okay? But listen, just like I had to move the jet ski, my wife and I had to figure out how we were going to do money God's way, okay? The Holy Spirit's work in our lives was going to happen through our obedience, through, our, through mixing our faith with our action. If you want a more spiritual example, okay, I think the jet ski thing was plenty spiritual, but if you want a more spiritual example, it would be in the act of prayer. I'm in a lot of conversations with a lot of people and a lot of times I get this nudge inside me, you should pray for this person. You should ask this person if they want prayer. Uh, You should not walk away from this situation that you're in right now until you say, can I pray for you? Okay, but listen, I gotta pray. I got to do that. I got to say, can I, the, the Holy Spirit is willing and ready to go and to move. But until I say, can I pray for you and I mix my faith with some action, that is where obedience happens, okay? So in verse 25, we read, do not worry about your life, okay? We even read, is, is not life more than what you will eat or drink or where? I wrote in the margin of my Bible, couldn't we say, is not life more than work? Is not life more than just what we do, all right? And we discussed last week this heavenly-minded view, but Jesus is taking it even further, and he is posing this question for us. Isn't life much more than all that we can touch and feel and see? Like, if we know this to be true, and we are grateful for it, we're grateful for it in this room this morning, correct? If we Are grateful for it then why do we hold on so tightly to what is temporal why do we struggle to actually do it let me present it to you this way if we can be so quick to jump to the action of worry Jesus starts and says do not worry therefore I tell you do not worry about your life if we can be so quick to jump to the action of worry could we not train ourselves through both effort and faith in Jesus, all right, to be just as quick to jump to the action of obeying what Christ says? Could we not train ourselves to jump into the action of obedience? We learned how to worry, so couldn't we learn how to obey? I, uh, I have the privilege of many people sharing their struggles and their successes, just their stories in general with me as a pastor. It's something I do not take lightly and I'm very humbled uh, to get to do, to, to, to get to be that for so many different people. Uh, it, is, it is a big uh, job I did not see coming and I'm very humbled and grateful for it. Part of me not taking it lightly though is I keep this mental catalog, all right, of different stories and successes or struggles or things that might be beneficial to the church when I get opportunities like this, okay? And so last week, we had a testimony from Virginia. We're going to have another one here in a moment, but I want to share something with you that's actually in Matthew 6 before we do that, all right? This is, I would just consider this bonus material, all right? But Matthew 6, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Let me just read this to you before we hear from another great testimony. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, You will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you that they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I'm sharing this with you so that you know that the people that I shared that I'm sharing with you in this series are not stumping me for stage time, okay? This is definitely not uh, on their radar or what they're asking to do. I hear these things, though, and I think that would encourage our church. That would encourage me. That would encourage all of us. And so we got to share it. And so I just want you to know there is a difference between flaunting your own actions, your own obedience, your own giving, okay, and being asked to share for the mutual encouragement Of the congregation, it is because of their heart posture that we can all grow from this. All right, and their Father in Heaven continues to receive the glory. All right, so like I said, this is all uh, just bonus material, but I just wanted you to know that before we before we share that this is this is definitely not an instance of people who just really have something they'd like to say and they want to share. That is not what this is about. This is about wow. That totally speaks to what God's trying to tell us later on in that same chapter would you share it? So last week it was Virginia, and this week I'm really grateful that my friend Mark Murray agreed to share some things that he walked through in late 2021 and early 2022. Mark, you can come on down. Uh, It really connects with what we're reading here in Matthew chapter 6. So Would you welcome my friend Mark as he comes this morning? And there you go, sir. Thanks so much. So good morning, Church,
1: and thank you, Pastor Quint, for this opportunity. So as Quint said, we've met a couple times um, over the past year and a half, I think three times to be exact. And um, our first meeting was back in January of 2022. Uh, During the sermon series that was going on at the time, it was asked if anyone was struggling with stress, anxiety, or anything to write down your phone number and a member from the church would reach out and pray for us. So I did that, and Pastor Quint and I met for lunch. So we're talking about the main causes of stress and strain in my life. And like a lot of people, it was work related. It was my job at the time. Now I'm not here to talk about the bad things about my job because it gave me 14 years of employment. I had six different opportunities for promotion. But with that, with those different levels of promotion, I had to make sure I was giving my 100% every single day. And a lot of times that 100% meant working seven days a week, putting in 65 plus hours a week, going into work on Saturday mornings, going into work at Sunday mornings, and coming to church. Now, I was very grateful for my job, for my bosses, for my employees, and without that job, I wouldn't be here. But during the last two years of my role, the stress really started to get to me, and it impacted my family and my health. And it wasn't being the best husband, father, friend, because work had to come first. That's where it was in my life at that point. So my health was being impacted, uh, severe panic attacks, high blood pressure, everything that comes along with uh, stress and anxiety. I was 43 at the time, so I really needed to figure out how to get those items under control. So just before my first lunch with Pastor Quint back in January of 2022, I decided I needed to do something different before my relationship with my wife and kids were permanently impacted, along with my health. I started looking internally for a new role and found a job I was qualified for and I started talking with some of the people that I worked with, some of the people that I trusted, and they said yes, it would be a good fit and you'd be a very strong candidate for that internal role. But at the same time, an external role was, was shown to me and uh, so I decided to apply for that at the same time. So I applied for both and I'm going through the interview process for both. And while going through the interview process, my wife and I were both praying hard, a very simple prayer. And I'm going to read you this prayer. So God, please let me go where you need me to go for my family and friends. I pray that I will get one job and reject it from the other. So it is crystal clear that I will be going to where you need me and want me to go. Lord, I trust you fully. Amen. Now remember the Lord, I trust you fully because it's going to be critical in a little bit. It was a simple prayer of clear desire, so it would be clear to me where I should go. So a couple weeks go by, and I go through three to four interviews for um, the internal role and the external role. And all along, I'm still praying that same prayer. God, please let me go where you need me to go for my family and friends. I pray that I I will get one job and be rejected from the other, so it is crystal clear that I will be going where you need and want me to go, Lord, I trust you fully, amen. So I remember like it was yesterday. I got a call from my internal hiring manager and he broke the news that I did not get the internal role. We talked for about 10 minutes and I thanked him for the opportunity. And then church 45 minutes later, I got a call from the other company, the external company, and they wanted to hire me. Same day, within the same hour. Now, Remember my prayer that I've been saying over and over. God, please let me go where you need me to go for my family and friends. I pray that I will get one job and be rejected from the other so it's crystal clear that I'll be going to where you need me to go. Lord, I trust you fully. You would have thought with such a clear answer to my prayer, I would have been on cloud nine rejoicing. Church, it was just the opposite. The amount of anxiety that flooded me was unreal. I immediately thought, wow, you know, maybe it wasn't praying right or enough or the right words because he obviously answered my prayer, but why did I feel so terrible? So the first person I called was my wife, Stephanie, and, and I told her the good news. She said, that's great. God answered our prayers. And I told her, I'm not sure he did because if he truly answered my prayer, why do I feel so terrible about this? And, and, and she told me this, and I'm not going to forget it. She said, God absolutely answered your prayer. We prayed for one rejection, one offer, and I'm not sure why you're feeling this way, but God answered your prayer, and you have to follow that answered prayer. You must trust him. So I did. You know, but I didn't feel any better. I still racked with anxiety and stress. And I spent the next two weeks going through the onboarding process with the external role, you know, negotiating salaries, vacation days, background checks, all that stuff. And while I'm going through this, I still had doubt in the answered prayer. So it, so I didn't give my two weeks notice yet. I was I was leaving myself out. I didn't have the trust. So let's fast forward to the next month. It was specifically February 27th of 2022. And it's another date that I'll remember. And I'm glad I did. And I'm really glad I did not miss church that Sunday. I mean, you'll never know which sermon was meant for you. And I believe this sermon and the timing of it was meant for me. So long story short, go to church every Sunday. So this was a sermon series. You said that just like I asked. I have half a (laughs) $20 bill for you right under that Bible, all right? (laughs) So this is a sermon series that Pastor Nicole was was giving, and it was titled The Most. And that Sunday, she focused on Ephesians 5, 18 for that sermon. And during one part of that sermon, Pastor Nicole was speaking on a yielded and steady heart, and she said, and I want to read this to make sure I got it right, she said, to live a Holy Spirit-filled life, we must depend less and less on our feelings and rely more on the promises of God. The trustworthiness of God stays consistent and steady. And there's that word again, trust. And, and that word trust, it was from my prayer that my wife and I had been saying. It was from my wife when I was talking to her after, after I got the, the job offer. And now it was from Pastor Nicole. And, and during that sermon series, uh, she showed a section of a locomotive. Perfect. And she showed a section of a locomotive with the words facts, faith, and, f- and it's pulling the feelings, freight car. And the way she explained it is facts is God and his word, faith, how we believe about God and his word, and feelings, what comes from our faith and obedience. Now, too often we lead by our feelings, and in this scenario, if we're leading by our feelings, the locomotive would be running backwards and that just doesn't work. So we must trust the facts and the word of God and have faith and believe in those facts and that, we will, and that will shape our feelings. See church, for three to four weeks, I was running this locomotive backwards. I was trusting my feelings more than I was trusting God and I was running the locomotive backwards. Leading with feelings, and not facts of God's faithfulness. But this sermon on that February absolutely changed everything. Once I heard this, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that the trust had to be there 100% because fact, I prayed for a specific clear answer, and he gave me that specific answer. Faith, I had to learn to grow my faith and to trust the fact that he still answers prayers and feelings even though it felt ugly. I needed to ignore my human feelings and trust my heavenly father that he answered my prayer and that I have the faith to follow that. And church, I'm gonna tell you this new job is the best, best thing that's happened to me. My stress level is better, my marriage is better, I'm a better dad and a friend. And today I look back and I think to myself, what if I didn't follow that fact that he answered my prayer? And what if I didn't trust my God who knows best? Church, I know one thing, I wouldn't be here to tell you about the goodness of God and the fact that if we have faith as our driving forth, rather than our feelings, how great our life can be. Trusting God is hard. You know, we're humans and our feelings are important, but they can't be the guiding light. We must trust God with everything, our family, our relationships, our finances, and he will always, always, always provide. And I'll leave you with this. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mark. Really appreciate that. So good. So, so good. Who, I mean, who can relate to that feeling of anxiety? That feeling of stress, that feeling of blood pressure you can actually feel. Am I the only one this morning? But it's so true that we need to get our priorities in check, and we need to keep the facts of God's Word and our faith first and let our feelings catch up. Let's go back over to Matthew chapter 6. I want to jump down to verses 32 and 34 for the last bit of this message. It says in verse 32, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Let me me go back to 31, actually. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What we find and what we can learn from Mark's story is that we don't have to bench press all of like life's concerns on our own. We don't have to take, it, take all of that and just say like, I gotta figure this out. I gotta do that. In fact, as I was preparing this this week and I read verse 32 and it says, for the pagans run after all these things. I don't think that's Jesus being like, if you guys don't get this, you're no better than a pagan. I don't think that's his heart at all. I wanna read this to you from the message translation and see if what stood out to me Stands out to you as well. But it says, What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you both know God and you know how he works. So steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. I feel like, and this is my paraphrase, but I feel like it's almost like Jesus is saying, guys, ladies, disciples, friends, everybody, listen, you don't have to run around and do all of this alone. That's what pagans or unbelievers do. But they don't know any better. You know better. You know who your father in heaven is. And I'm showing you with my life how good he is. This is Jesus speaking. And this is just, again, me. I'm I'm just paraphrasing. But I feel like Jesus is just saying, I'm showing you how good he is with my life. So just believe it. And believe it with your actions. And just get totally immersed in who you are in him, and just watch the rest come together. I feel like that's the heart of the message from the end of Matthew chapter 6. Again, obviously, my paraphrase, but I don't want us to miss this grace-filled truth. Okay, In, in uh, the beginning of John, it says he spoke with both grace and truth. But this is, a, this is a grace-filled truth that just says you don't have to do all of this on your own. You don't, this is not this angry message of do more and do better. I've made it crystal clear, okay? This is the compassionate, caring words of our Savior, all right? Like I said last week, we trust him with the forgiveness of our sins, with the salvation of our souls. How much less are these temporal things of money and finance and things, all right, in the grand scheme of life? Society wants to tell us that money and things and careers are the most important, all right? But we've been told differently. So I don't want to win the game of the earthly-minded life. I want to win the game of the heavenly-minded life. We, we weren't told to win the game of the earthly-minded life. But Jesus said to prioritize a heavenly-minded life. And so that's what we need to do. We cannot let society's priorities get us off track with what God has called us to do as his children and as his disciples. Let me wrap it up with this so we don't lose track of where we're going on this journey over the last couple of weeks. And like I said, we'll conclude this series next week. Here's some bullet points from last week and then this morning. Bullet point number one, we need to prioritize a heavenly-minded life. Bullet point number two, we need to make sure we never stop doing new things with Jesus. All right? Point number three, how do we do this? We do it. We do it. We mix our faith in who he is with action that he's asking us to do, and we just do it, and we turn that into obedience. And then number four, as we see at the end of Matthew chapter 6, we remember that we know God, and we know how he works. And so because of that, we can live with the confidence in who he is and what he promises to do. If you're here this morning and you say, all right, I'm tracking with you. I get it, Pastor Quinn. I'm kind of following along here, but I do feel like you lost me on that last one. We know God. Like, I think I know God, but I don't know if I know God. I'm not really sure how to know how God works, okay? I want to just give some clarity to that as we wrap up this morning. The answer of who is God and how does he work, is multifaceted. Remember, we talked last week at the end about how we are multifaceted, we are complex. Where do you think we got that? We are made in his image, okay? And he is is complex, he is multifaceted. But we get to know God better the same way we get to know each other better, through relationship, through relationship. And how we spend time with him happens several different ways. One way is through prayer, one way is through worship. One way is through reading the word and learning what he says and what he's taught us. One way is by spending time with his kids. And we call that coming to church, okay? And being in small groups and doing life together. But I want you to know that out of all these things that we're talking about in this series, out of all these bullet points that we just went through, the first and the greatest thing that Jesus wants to get in sync with you about is your relationship with him. It's not about... Uh, All those other things are great. Mixing your faith with action and turning it into obedience and following along. That's all absolutely things we need to do. But the first thing he wants to do is have clarity in your relationship and in the rhythm of your communication with him, okay? As your savior. So we've talked about doing new things with Jesus. Maybe for you, the first new thing you need to do with Jesus is trust him as your savior, okay? And what that looks like, I would say it this way. Maybe you have never recognized your need for a Savior. Maybe you have never recognized that all the pain and the hurt and the brokenness that has come against you in your life and all the pain and the hurt and the brokenness that you have inflicted on other people, that's called sin. We call that sin, okay? And Jesus came to do away with that. Jesus came to wipe the slate clean and take away the sins we've put on others, the sins we've grieved against him, and the sins that have happened to us, okay? And he wants to start on a journey with us of restoration and of health, okay? And so if you're hearing my, my voice and this is hitting it all, I want to give you an opportunity. It really, it really starts... Okay, Salvation and believing in Jesus Christ is a life of sanctification. It's a life of process. It's why we come to church every week. It's why we learn from series. It's why we study how can I do this better. Okay, It, it, you don't, it, it takes time. It's a journey. But it really starts, the starting point for it, is a, a prayer of acknowledgement. A prayer of acknowledging the, the place that we're in and the place he wants to redeem us to. And so if you can hear my voice and that's something that you want to do. I want you to just pray this with me right now. Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner. And Jesus, I recognize that you are my savior. And so Jesus, I want to enter into relationship with you. I want to stop doing life my way. And I want to learn how to do life your way. Jesus, I believe in you and I trust in you. Amen. And that is the beginning, friends, of an amazing and beautiful journey called the rest of your life. All right, if you, if you just prayed that or you think you prayed that, but you're not sure or you still have more questions, I have some friends at these tables that say prayer on my right and left, your right and left. And I'd encourage you to come down, find me or find one of them. And we'd love to just talk with you and, and, and get on the same page with you and just start this process. But the reality is all these things and a life that involves finances and get generosity and giving and, and possessions and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, the first possession that Jesus Christ is after, he's after your heart. He's after restoring your heart. Okay. And then when we can start there, then we'll get the rest together. We'll put our faith with some action and we'll turn it into obedience and we'll live how he has called and challenged us to live. So let me just pray as we close this morning. So grateful you came to church. I'm so grateful that you heard that amazing testimony. Let's work on that this week of putting our facts and our faith ahead of our feelings and our emotions. And let's just trust in Jesus for who he is, for what he's done and for what he promises to do. God, I thank you. Uh, for today. I thank you for the opportunity to share time together, worshiping you, learning from you, growing closer to you. I pray that if anyone in this room did pray that prayer this morning, that, uh, that you'd give them the excitement and the boldness to come down, that we could talk, that we could start a journey together, that we could grow in faith together. And I pray for anyone who, who already has a relationship with you and believes in you, Lord, that you would help us all to try new things with you. To mix our faith and action and, and turn that into obedience, Lord, and uh, to remember that beautiful and amazing point at the end of Matthew chapter six that we do know you, Lord, we know you and therefore we can trust you. so we draw closer to you and we come to know you more so that we might trust you and, and, and do what you'd have us to do more. Amen
1: I was wondering if you found me